Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Well, good morning once again. My name is Becca. I'm the other pastor here, and it is good to be with you again this beautiful summer day. We are continuing our summer sermon series we have called Life Verse. All summer long, with whoever is preaching on any given Sunday, we uh, gave the opportunity for that person to choose what, for them, uh, they would consider a life verse, a passage of scripture that, for them, they consider worth thinking about, worth learning about, worth even committing to memory. So every week, we give you these cards to take home so that Our hope is that these verses that are life verses for us become those for you as well. And as we approach today's life verse, I want to invite you to consider a question. And the question is, if I were to ask, where is the happiest place on earth? What do you think most people would say? Disney, right? Disneyland, Disney World, depending on the part of the country you live in, most of us would say the happiest place on earth is Disney something. Growing up in California, myself, my family went to Disneyland several times, and uh, I got to go back a few years ago as an adult without children, and I recommend it. Because as I went around, it was just a half day, me and a friend running around Disneyland, going on as many rides as we possibly could in that couple hours time. Uh, As I did that as an adult, I had some uh, space, uh, mental space to observe the other people around me, particularly the families, the people who did have children at Disneyland. And I will tell you for many of them, that day Disneyland was not (laughs) the happiest place on earth. Everyone was hot. Everyone was tired, everyone was hungry and waiting in lines for a bajillion, and that's an exact number, hours, and so tempers were running short. I remember very particularly, there was one family I passed, like right in the middle, you know, all the different lands connect in the middle section, and they were sitting and trying to get their stuff together, and the whole family was having a meltdown, but the dad especially was having his own particular meltdown. And I heard him say to his kids, do you know how much we paid to get in here? We are making memories. I thought, you are, but not the kind you paid for. And he said, so you stand in that line and you wait two hours and you go on that rides and you be happy or I will give you something to be happy about. Disneyland is not always the happiest place on earth. So I started to wonder, remembering that this week, I wondered, what if our church was? What if Knox Presbyterian Church became known as the happiest place on earth? What if the church became famous for our joy? Like, what if somebody came here for the first time? Right, just walked in the doors for the very first time. Maybe, uh, maybe they've gone to church their whole life. Maybe they've never gone to church ever in their life. They, they come in here, but they, they don't know the Bible, but their life might be really messed up. You know, who knows? But they come in here and they just feel joy. 
They feel embraced. They felt like we were a bunch of people who genuinely wanted to be here. What if, when people heard the word Christian, instead of thinking judgmental or proud or something like that, what if they just thought joyful? What I know to be true about all of you is that you want to be happy. Most of us do. I've never met anybody who said, my goal in life is to be miserable. We want to be happy. And here's the truth. God wants the same thing you do. God wants you to be happy. God wants us to be happy. God wants his church to be the happiest place on earth. So you'd think... Well, maybe the sermon can be done right now. I want to be happy. God wants me to be happy. We're done. Let's all go to Colonial for lunch. (laughs) But here's where things get complicated. I've still got more to say. (laughs) God does indeed want you to be happy. Jesus has a plan, a pathway that can lead to true and lasting happiness. But I will tell you right now that the path that Jesus has for your happiness looks very different than the path most of us would lay out for ourselves. So it's not quite time for lunch yet. Jesus' plan for our happiness is found in Luke 9, starting at verse 23. You can turn there in your Bibles. It'll also be up on the screen. Here's our life verse for today. It says, Then he, Jesus, said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus has a plan for us to be happy, but his plan will not look like your plan. And that's actually a very good thing. Jesus' plan has three steps, three things we can do to be really, truly happy. Receive the invitation, accept the challenge, and hold on to the promise. So here it goes. The first step on the Jesus road to happiness is to receive the invitation. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple... Whoever. Who isn't Jesus inviting? Whoever. Whoever is a really big word. Whoever means anyone. Whoever means everyone. Jesus' invitation to happiness doesn't begin with a list of pre-qualifications. His invitation is addressed to whoever. It doesn't always make a lot of sense to us. In our world, there's almost always a catch. Like those car dealership commercials that advertise, anyone can buy a car here, but if you look really close, there's always a little asterisk, right? On that word, anyone. Anyone can buy a car here, but there's that little asterisk, and if you look right down, there's often three little letters, W-A-C, with approved credit. That's what the car dealerships mean by anyone. Anyone who meets the qualifications. Anyone who has made it through the approval process. So 
when we read this invitation from Jesus, we can't help but think that he must have a little asterisk too. Jesus can't possibly mean whoever. He, he really couldn't have possibly wanted just anyone and everyone to follow him. And I'll give, even if Jesus didn't, and he didn't, even if Jesus didn't have an asterisk by that whoever invitation, we often do. If we're honest with ourselves, the church, the community of people who are trying to follow Jesus, we often exempt ourselves and others from Jesus' invitation. In the church today, we will say whoever is welcome, but in practice, that welcome is really only fully extended to people who look like they have their lives together and don't have any visible struggles. We'll say whoever, but then we'll exempt and exclude people who are struggling or or people who are different from us. In reality, in many churches like ours, whoever means white, straight, cisgender people who are married and have 2.5 kids and who dress like us and talk like us and come from the same social group as us, uh, who have the same political ideas as us and, and who like the same music as us. And you see whoever gets smaller and smaller and smaller. We'll say whoever, but then we'll throw up some pretty big asterisks to exempt each other. We exempt ourselves too sometimes. You know, we'll, we'll hear the various invitations to get involved and we'll put an asterisk on ourselves. You know, we'll, we'll hear that invitation, join a small group if you can uh, quote the Bible and pray eloquently and have a spotless Christian life. Sing in the choir if you have perfect pitch and uh, are practically Broadway bound. <laughs> now, right? Go on a mission trip if you know intrinsically how to witness for the Christian faith compellingly in any situation and convert people to Christ on the spot. Give to the church if you make a six-figure salary and have oodles and oodles to spare. We hear whoever, and in all these ways, we squish that down. We exclude each other, we exclude ourselves. So if that's true for you today, and that is true for some of us today, let me assure you that Jesus' invitation has no asterisks. Jesus said, whoever. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, that is the invitation that we can receive. But then comes the challenge. The challenge we must accept. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. There are two parts here. The the first part of Jesus' challenge is, is that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That's not how most of us would think about how we would achieve happiness. We think our happiness would be found in taking care of ourselves, treating ourselves, even indulging ourselves. But Jesus says that true happiness will be found when we accept the challenge to deny ourselves. Jesus says this because he knows the truth of what researchers have more recently called the happiness paradox. 
The happiness paradox, in a nutshell, states that I will never be happy if the ultimate goal in my life is to be happy. Interesting. Researchers have have studied this. They have learned this, that you will never be happy if the ultimate goal in your life is to be happy. Happy is one of those things that comes only as a byproduct when we're pursuing something bigger, something better. We all think we want the happy life, but in reality, what we need is the meaningful life. And there are reasons for that. This has been proven by scientific study, but we also just know this by experience. Very often, we'll pursue something that we think will make us happy, only to find out that it doesn't. We'll think, I'll be happy if things go well. I'll be happy if my needs are met. I'll be happy if my desires are satisfied. I'll be happy if I can avoid pain and everybody likes me. And then we focus on those circumstances. Somebody who doesn't have a job says, when I get a job, I'll be happy. And then they get that job, and there are pressures, and there are stresses, and there are challenges, and so they think, well, I'll be happy when I retire. Funny thing, though. When people retire, for a short season, their happiness may go up, but often meaning goes down because they no longer have a place to give. People think, I'll be happy if I have more money. But then they get it, and they spend it among themselves, bigger house, nicer car, fancier trips. And again, happiness goes up for a short time, but sometimes often in that realm, meaning goes down and happiness goes down with it. When people get to the end of their lives, lives it turns out that it's meaning that matters most. God has actually made us so that when, when we will grow more and more happy over time, when we pursue more and more meaning over time, the two go hand in hand. So Jesus says, deny yourself, not because he's a killjoy, not because he wants you to not be happy, quite the opposite. Jesus knows that if you try to treat yourself, you're not really going to be happy, not for the long term anyway. Jesus knows if you aim not at happy, but if you aim at meaning, you tend to get happy thrown in. If you aim at happy, you get neither happy or meaning. So the first step in accepting Jesus' challenge in his road to happiness is to deny yourself. Don't seek happy, seek meaning. Which leads to the second step of the challenge. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. There's a couple uh, essential elements to the meaningful life, things that generally happy people do that give them both meaning and happiness. And they, they both fall under this category of taking up your cross. The first thing that happy people do is they put others first. They do this by regularly practicing acts of kindness and generosity. If you want lasting happiness, this is a really great place to start. Make a practice of regularly putting yourself second. There was a study that was done on longevity a number of years ago. And in this study, before they engaged in it, the researchers hypothesized that the people who would live the longest would be the people who had somebody to care for them. Somebody who had somebody else to watch over them. 
So they, they engaged in this study and they discovered they were only slightly wrong. The people who lived the longest weren't the people who had somebody to care for them. The people who lived the longest actually were the people who had someone to care for. This is just this weird truth about us. We think we'll be happy when we get what we want, but that's not fully true. Both happy and meaning come when we give. That's just how God made us. So that's why Jesus commands us to take up our cross daily. He tells us to make a daily practice of sacrificing our wants and putting others' needs first. Because he knows that lasting happiness is so much more strongly associated with what we give rather than what we get. It just turns out that Jesus knew what he was talking about. So if you want happiness, you can, you can try this. You can, you can start small. You can run an errand for somebody at home. You can take brownies to a neighbor. You can visit someone in a nursing home. You can voluntarily help out with a project at work if you really want to have fun with this. If you really want to find some good happiness, find somebody at work that you don't particularly like all that much and offer to do something kind for them for no reason at all. I told you when I preached last, last month, uh, I I had just returned from our our high school mission trip, our go and serve mission trip. And I told you then, and I'll probably tell you a lot, how amazed I was then and still am by the adults in this church, by the adults who went on that trip in particular, who went and and sacrificed so much to be there. They they sacrificed their sleep. They sacrificed uh, the foods they liked to eat. They sacrificed their creature comforts, all so that they could give of their time and their energy and love to the high schoolers and young adults on this trip. They gave so much, but you could see it in their faces how much they got. It's true for the people who work in our vacation Bible school and and our our Sunday school and all those realms where we're working with young people. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of everything about you. But over and over again, when you ask somebody who works with young people in in our church setting and in other settings, they say, oh, I do it. I do it because I know there's a need, but I do it not because it's about what I give, but it's about what I get. That's just how we're wired. So Jesus says, take up your cross daily. There is meaning there and a whole lot of happiness that comes with it. There's a second element to taking up your cross daily, and this one's a little tougher, but it is so important, and it has to do with suffering. See, most people, if you would ask them, would probably say that happiness and suffering are polar opposites. But it's not as simple as that. Because the reality is while suffering can temporarily interrupt the happy life, suffering is powerless to stop the meaningful life. So in Jesus' call to take up our cross daily, the path that will lead us to meaning and ultimately to happiness is to recognize God's presence and power even in the midst of our suffering. You know, one of the highest privileges of serving as your pastor for Dave and for I is when any one of you invites us into one of those spaces in your life where you are hurting. When you allow us into that very vulnerable and holy space where you've been hurt, where you're afraid, where you feel alone. 
And I will tell you, after many conversations over many years with many different people in pain, I've noticed a pattern. I've seen it in your lives and I've seen it in my own as well. We, we go through these incredibly hard things, sickness, death, grief, job loss, kids in crisis, marriages falling apart, betrayal by someone you considered a good friend. The list goes on and on. These experiences cause us deep pain, but... When we get to the other side, there's something that happens. I'll hear, I'll hear people say something like, you know, God did something in my life, in the middle of all that, that I don't think God could have done any other way. I wouldn't sign up for it. I don't want to go through it again. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but I'm, I'm not sure God could have done in my faith what he did without it. And then the other side of it, I look back and I say, wow, I, I, I didn't see then what God was doing. I didn't even feel that, that God was in the midst of it, but I, I can see now that God was present. I can see now that God was powerful in that circumstance, and I know God so much better now. Listen, I know that there are people here today who are suffering. I know that you're carrying around so much pain, it takes all the strength you have just to get out of bed in the morning. And I, I just wanna say how clearly how grateful I am that you're here today. I know that's no small thing. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here. And there's no pressure for you to look or act happy today. You don't have to be anything other than who you are and where you are right now. And you don't even have to be happy that you're feeling the way you're feeling right now. But what I want you to know, what I, I do want you to hold on to is though it may feel like God is very far away right now, he's not. In the midst of your suffering, God is present. God is close. God is closer than your very breath. God is present so you're not alone and God is powerful, powerful enough to carry you through it, whatever it is. The psalmist says, weeping may last for the morning, but, or weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know when your morning will come. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it's not coming until the resurrection, but I know it's coming, so hold on. God is present and God is powerful. Jesus has a plan for us to be happy and it has the power to change your life. Receive the invitation, accept the challenge and hold on to the promise. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. See, friends, I, I know myself. I know I need this promise because I, I, I just, I know that if I try and accept Jesus' invitation, if I try to take up his challenge, if I try to do all of that on my own, I am going to fail. <laughs> I cannot live up to Jesus' plan for happiness on my own. 
So I'm grateful that God offers us another path. I am grateful that God gives us this promise. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it in his book, Mere Christianity. He writes this. He says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and there. I want to have the whole tree down. So hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. To hold on to the promise. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Because here's the thing. The challenge Jesus gives us, the, very, the challenge he gives us is the very thing he did for us. Jesus denied himself. The night he knew he was going to die, Jesus wept in a garden praying desperately, Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. But knowing that God was present and powerful, even in his suffering, Jesus was able to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus denied himself and Jesus took up his cross. Jesus entered into our world. Jesus took on our pain, our trauma, our despair, and they made, he made them his own. And when he did, we tried him, we beat him, we crucified him, we killed him on a cross and buried him. But on that third day, God said to our sorry, dark, sinful world, I'll give you something to be happy about. And that tomb, the tomb was, which was the ultimate symbol of death and doom and defeat and despair became on that third day the happiest place on earth. And because Jesus did all that, when we give our whole selves to Jesus, we have this promise that he will give his whole self to us. So we are all invited Whoever wants to be my disciple. The challenge is real. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. But the promise is powerful. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.